Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what he has to say to you today. Enjoy. Last week we started a sermon series called, Why Read the Bible? And so we're into week two here this week. And last week was a very heady sermon, and so you might need to go back onto our podcast, which if you want to listen to our uh, sermons, any of our sermons, uh, James does a great job uploading them at the beginning of the week every week. If you miss a week, if you're out lobstering, whatever the case may be, you're away, you can catch up on all of our podcast uh, sermons, they're on there. And last week might have been a sermon where you're like, Jay, you went a little deep on me there. You went a little heady, and it might need to go kind of re-listen to it again, because there was a lot of, lot of content there. It wasn't a typical sermon that we preach. It was very much a heady, headier sermon. And, um, and some of you guys are like, some of you guys that give me feedback or gave us feedback about the message last week were like, man, I love that kind of stuff. And some of y'all were like, dude, a little too much for me. <laughs> like, uh, I had you at the read your Bible part, but when you start talking about manuscripts and Caesar and all this archaeological stuff, I just tuned you out. And I was like, it's okay. I still love you. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> And some of you kind of love that kind of content, and some of you don't. And that's why it's, it's, it's good to hear and listen to different preachers. It's healthy. And, you know, um, some of you will connect with different kinds of sermon based on, how many know that all of us in this room, we're all really different? And some of us are really different, okay? <laughs> um, but we're all different. We're all wired differently. And so we all connect with God differently. And so um, maybe last week's sermon was, like, really for you, and maybe, this, maybe it wasn't. Um, so that last week was very much like giving you evidence as to why we can actually trust the scripture. And so if you were a skeptic or a non-church going person, the attempt was is that I wanted to give you logical reasons why you can actually trust this book and why you should read it. From, like an, from, a, from a logical standpoint, that was last week's goal. This week I want to talk a little bit more personally about why I read the Bible, why we read the scripture. And so much more at a heart level than at a head level. Um, but before we kind of jump in tonight, one of the things that I was so encouraged by last week, I think the goal for any preacher when he gets up on stage is that people would hear what the preacher says. They would walk out them doors, go down in their stairs, go out the other door, and they would actually do what the preacher says to do that lines up, of course, with the scripture. And I was so encouraged last week because some people, before they even got down the stairs and out the door, pulled me aside in the foyer and asked me specifically, how do I get the YouVersion Bible on my phone? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Someone was listening at the front end of the sermon. They weren't totally tuning it out. And then I was downstairs in the second service, and I was outside because I was going to see someone. Uh, one of the, we had a kid accept Christ in the second service last week, which is awesome, right? Let's go. And so I wanted to go. I, I wasn't even part of it. And so I had a little bit of FOMO. And so I wanted to go, like, track this person down and just say to the guys, like, this is the best decision you've ever made in your life. Because it is. Making a decision to follow Jesus. There's literally no decision you can make better. And I was on my way back in to come upstairs, and I saw two ladies chatting, and they were talking about the YouVersion Bible plan, and one of the people was explaining to her how to get it on her phone and how to do all these different Bible plans. And I'm like, this is awesome! 
literally applying the scriptures. And I heard someone else got a, like, a, like an actual Bible. Like, you know, these things you actually read and open up and there's words in them. Like, and by the way, if any of you need Bibles out there, I got a couple in my office. But it was so encouraging to see people read the Bible because step one of reading the Bible is what? Get a Bible. <laughs> okay, this is really, really super deep. Ready for this? It's hard to read the Bible if you don't have one. <laughs> it's really hard. And so, again, if you don't have a Bible, this isn't shaming or guilting anyone. Take out your phone, download the YouVersion Bible app, or I will get you a Bible. I will find a way to put a Bible in your hands. One of the things I prayed about, like, just want you to think about this for a second. How different would Coastal Church in Barrington be if everyone in this room started reading the Bible every day? That thought just came to me on the spot. I don't want to say it again. <laughs> what would happen to this church in this community if every single person in this room actually started reading the Bible every day? Because this church in this community would be very, very different. And it'd be a whole lot more like heaven. And so I'd encourage you to, to start reading. But for some of us, there's, there's a lot of different barriers as to why we don't read the scripture. And so some of us have Bibles that may be at home or we have them on our phone or whatever the case may be, but there's sometimes there's different reasons. And sometimes there's reasons for us who are trying to follow Jesus, but then there's also reasons for people outside the walls of the church as to why we don't read the Bible. Some people say that the Bible is outdated and irrelevant. Like I said last week, sometimes people think that as a society, we have so advanced and evolved to the point where this kind of thinking is very like old school thinking. And the truth is, we haven't really evolved and advanced all that much. Actually, we haven't really hardly at all. I think that argument for people resisting that this is outdated and irrelevant is because they get offended when the scripture, not a person, when the scripture actually says something about their lifestyle. Because it does. Like, I think we think it's outdated and irrelevant because it actually bumps against our attitudes, our perspectives, and our opinions. And so we resist the scripture and think it's outdated and irrelevant because it actually says that we're wrong about stuff, right? Like things in culture or maybe things we think about sex, for instance. We think we have attitudes, perspectives, and opinions here or in culture that maybe the scripture speaks against. And we kind of resist and reject that and think it's old school thinking. But it's actually because it's actually correcting us where we're wrong. Or things like politics, or things like practicing a 24-hour day of rest. Ah, it's just the Old Testament stuff, right? No, actually, it's a biblical principle to practice rest. And how many know that doing that's really, really hard? You guys are all really, really quiet here. This isn't about law. This isn't about legalism. There's been a lot of you in this room that have been hurt by churches that pounded the scripture over your head over and over again. And if that's happened to you, I'm sorry. But I will say this. There are principles in the scripture that are for our good, like making sure we rest. 
And in a hardworking culture, it's really hard for us to not get offended when we probably should take a day to recover and recoup. And so, see, that's what the scripture does. We think it's outdated and irrelevant and doesn't apply to us, but we resist it because it's not what our preferences are. I'm so glad that the scripture doesn't conform to what my preferences are. I need it to be convicting into my own life. Some people think that the Bible doesn't make sense to me. Well, one word of advice I'd give to each and every one of you is to slow down. Slow down when you read. Don't feel like you got to read the whole Bible all at once. Just take your time and slow down and read. Sometimes I think we approach the scripture like we do like social media. And like watching YouTube or watching Netflix or watching on Facebook and just kind of scroll and scroll and scroll. The idea with scripture, and I know this is really hard even for me, because I don't like to slow down. I don't know anyone else like, there like, like that, like me. You don't like to slow down. One of the things that scripture kind of makes you do in order to comprehend it is it makes you slow down and engage with it and listen to it. Things like going to Bible study. I'd encourage you, if you have a hard time, if this book making any sense to you, we have a Bible study every Thursday night. And we'd love to interact and talk about what the scripture means to you. If you're kind of wrestling with understanding the scripture, come to a Bible study. Or something else. You know what one of my favorite appointments is when someone wants to make an appointment with me? And I'm sure James and Alex would be the same persuasion. I love it when someone makes an appointment with me and they come with a piece of paper with a list of questions that comes from them reading the scripture. Those are my favorite appointments. I'll buck up my whole week with them. <laughs> because I love to interact and help people understand the scripture. And so, yes, I get it. There's still stuff I read that doesn't make sense. But there is clarity, and it's not a reason for us not to read the Bible. Or some people think, or maybe you think that the Bible's boring. And I would say, it's not. <laughs> There might be parts of it you might find boring, like reading through a genealogy or reading through the book of Leviticus. But if you read through some of the stories, like the Gospel of Mark, for instance, is written at a very fast pace. Mark uses the word immediately all the time. It just goes from one event to the next, to the next, to the next, talking about the life of Jesus. And it's kind of a quick-moving gospel. And so I'd encourage you, if, you don't, if you're just new to reading the Bible and you're looking for a place to start today, I'd encourage you to read one chapter of the Gospel of Mark every day for the next 16 days. And in that gospel, it moves quickly and quickly and quickly, and it's incredibly engaging hearing about the life of Jesus. Or the book of Acts. The book of Acts is this incredible, amazing movement of the Holy Spirit of how God birthed the church and proclaimed the gospel and thousands and thousands of people came to faith in Jesus. People were healed. People were just delivered. All kinds of amazing things happen in this, this book, in the scripture. It is not boring. Some of the accounts and stories in the Old Testament, story of like Judges and, J and Joseph and David, these accounts found, these stories found in the scripture, they're not boring. My kids and I, I'm reading through, uh, I'm reading through the book of Exodus right now and literally just read today about the plagues and stuff like that. And my kids and I watched the, we bought the movie The Prince of Egypt and they've watched it like three times already in the last 48 hours. Like, 
Read, read that story from the scripture. Go to Exodus chapter 1 and read to Exodus like chapter 10. And after you're done reading, I almost guarantee you that you can't tell me that story's boring. You might not understand it. You might have a lot of questions. Some things in the scripture might make you angry. But most of the scripture, if not all of it, I would say it's hard to say that it's actually boring. The Bible actually tells us what the Bible is, though. It's not boring. It does make sense. It's not outdated and irrelevant. But Hebrews tells us what the scripture actually is. And this is what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, joints and a marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes to him who we must give an account. There's four things I want to say about the Bible tonight. And this is going to be much more personal. The Bible is timeless. God has a way of speaking to us about the way the world is working and the way the world has always worked. You see, our scripture, the Bible, is a filter that allows us to make sense of the rest of the world. I, uh, I have really, really bad eyesight. And so it's like negative 6.5 in this eye and negative 5.25 in the other. So I'm pretty much blind as a bat. A bat. And I have to wear contact lenses. And so I wear these lenses because if I don't wear contact lenses or glasses, I can't see pretty much anything. Everything is just blurry and nothing makes sense. It's really hard for me to play hockey, almost impossible, if I can't see that tiny little puck. I can't make sense of the game and I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, it, and imagine me driving without my contact lenses. It's why on my driver's license it says, this person has glasses. Because I can't see without it. And we try to go and navigate this world and go through this crazy culture. How many know sometimes culture in 2024 is crazy? Right? Can we agree on that sometimes? Or am I just up here on my own? Culture in 2024 sometimes is crazy. How do you make heads and tails of all of it? Well, I can tell you how to make heads and tails of all of it. You actually look at culture, look at your life, and look at everything through the lens of the scriptures. You look at the world through the lens of the scripture. There's all kinds of attitudes, perspectives, and opinions on a whole host of things. Like I mentioned, there's attitudes and opinions on sex and gender and politics and Sabbath and money. There's all kinds of opinions on those things. But what does the Bible have to say? What does the scripture have to say? Here's what I believe. We care way too much about the attitudes, perspectives, and opinions of other people. And I'll say it again. We care way too much about the attitudes, perspectives, and opinions of other people, and we let them shape the way we see the world. Let me just give you an example. Take, for example, over the next few weeks, you get in a yarn with someone, 
okay? You're having a conversation, and they're telling you a perspective, an attitude, an opinion that you know doesn't line up with the scripture, for instance. Or maybe you just simply don't agree with it in your heart. You don't. And usually what happens when someone gets in a yarn with you, after they tell their little rant on whatever specific topic they want, what's usually what they say after the end of the rant? Right? <laughs> and what are they looking for? Agreement. Support of what? Their attitude, their perspective, and their opinion. And so, we don't like conflict around here. I don't like conflict around here. And so, in order to avoid a really bumpy conversation, we tend to just conform to the attitudes, perspectives, opinions of other people. Why? Because we care too much, I, Jason, care too much about what other people think. But what the scripture allows us to do is in those situations, we get to understand what is God's attitude, perspective, and opinion on that. It doesn't mean we have to be combative. doesn't mean we have to be rude. doesn't mean we have to jeopardize a relationship that we could help lead someone to Jesus, but allows us to know what the scripture says and be confident about that particular thing. And so this is a journey I'm on. I have discovered I care way too much about what other people think. I care way too much about the attitudes, perspectives, and opinions of other people. And I got a funny feeling in this room, I'm not alone. Amen? So this is what I've been praying. Lord, would you help me to care about what you think and not what others think? Because I want to know what God's narrative is. Because God's narrative, God's story is the narrative. In our culture today, you have all kinds of stories being told to you. A lot of them are lies and aren't true. Like, culture today thinks that everyone's a good person. You know what the Bible actually says about that? We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You hear, like, when I even say that, it just kind of like rubs the wrong way for some people. Right? It just, it feels like, oh, that doesn't feel good. And so it's offensive to say that in 2024, where we live in a humanistic culture that thinks that man is the end goal of everything. But the truth is, like, for instance, I'll use this silly example. Some people think, oh, man, Jay, he's such a good person. He's so friendly. He's so kind. He's so nice. And I'm like, the only reason I'm any of that is because of Jesus. I'm not a good person. You're like, well, yes, no, I'm not. The only reason I have goodness in me is because of Jesus. I actually am a sinner who is saved by grace. And so the world will tell you you're a good person and you're entitled to everything. Whereas the scripture says, actually, you're a sinner. God loves you and he wants his goodness to flow through your life to bless other people. You see the difference? One's the world's narrative and one's God's narrative. Or maybe some of us that face tragedy. Now, I'll never tell you this likely when you're in the midst of a tragedy, but 
Sometimes we go through times of difficult circumstances. We go through suffering and often our questions why, and we're not asking why from a logical standpoint. We're asking why from an emotional standpoint. And what we're really asking is why is the problem of evil in the world? And the scripture, while it doesn't answer all those questions, it gives us an indication as to why we experience evil and suffering. And one of the main reasons you and I experience evil and suffering is because we've all not listened to God. And because we've all not listened to God, we're hurt and broken people. And guess what hurt people do? Hurt people hurt people. It's just the matter of us living in a sinful fallen world. Another thing, another message that culture will try to convince us of that's really popular these days is that it'll try to convince us that we're all victims. The victim mentality that powers and structures and authorities have all victimized us and so we should all be suspicious and resist any kind of power and authority. You know what the Bible says we're supposed to do with authority? Honor them and pray for them, those that are in authority. To give to Caesar what is Caesar and God's what is God's. Notice like when I read that scripture, does it kind of like rub you the wrong way a little bit? You're like, how many of you when I say that, you're like, I don't really like that. Okay, I'm like that, just to be with you. Like, I'm with you on that. There's some things in the Bible where I'm like, I don't want to pray for my governmental leaders. Let's be honest, right? Who's like, amen to that one? How many of y'all want to pray for our governmental leaders? <laughs> no one. Okay, we're all on the same page. There's stuff in this book that rubs you the wrong way that you don't agree with. But is it right? Yes. And actually, God wants to change the lens we see the world so we actually see it from his perspective. He wants to change the way we think because the truth is some of our thinking is actually wrong. Is that fair? The Bible is timeless, but it's also timely. God has just this way of speaking a needed word in a needed time when I open up the scripture to the word. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down. So my routine is I get into work, I drink, get a cup of coffee, and I sit down and I read the scriptures. And when I open up the scriptures, don't you like sometimes wish you had these like profound moments where you have this burning bush moment where God speaks? But sometimes I sat down on my scripture, I open, I read a chapter, a couple chapters or whatever, and there's time and time again, nothing. No profound moment, no moment where the heavens are open and God starts speaking, no like things that jump off the page. It's just, I read the scriptures and nothing really happens. I don't know, has anyone else had that experience before? <laughs> a lot of you, amen that. Okay, we're together on this. And there was two times this week, as I'm reading my Bible plan with my wife, where I read, and at the end of my Bible plan, it gives me an opportunity. It says, what is God saying to you? Guess what I put there? Nothing. <laughs> I just didn't sense anything. I didn't feel anything. So I didn't write anything down. One of, my, uh, one of my mentors said this to me, and this will encourage you. Let me encourage you with this. If you are reading your Bible and you feel like I'm not getting anything out of it, I want to share this with you. You maybe have heard me say it before. One of my mentors, um, he, he, would, he said this to me as we were talking about wrestling with the scriptures and not getting out of it. He said, the Bible, you ready for this? The Bible is kind of like mashed potatoes. 
You guys are like, what are you on, Jay? <laughs> but track with me for a sec. The Bible is kind of like mashed potatoes. You don't like have to understand like the DNA or the makeup, the science behind what makes up a mashed potato. You don't have to like do an anatomy project, tear it apart, look into it and see what's, what it's made of. What do you do with mashed potatoes? You eat them. That's right, you eat the mashed potatoes, right? And the mashed potatoes do what they're supposed to do in your body. And my mentor was saying this to me, like, you don't always have to understand the scriptures. You put the word of God into you, and the word of God does what it's supposed to do. So those moments when you're reading your scripture and you feel like, I'm getting nut out of this, don't worry about it. Just keep eating, okay? Now, I will add this caveat. Last week, we gave a very heady message on understanding the reliability of the scriptures, okay? I'm not saying you should check out logically, okay? I have three Bible degrees, okay? <laughs> I'm not advocating for checking out your mind. But what I am saying is God wants to form your mind, and he wants to form your heart. I was talking with a guy this week that we meet weekly with. He's an awesome dude. And I just talked about the difference between Bible study and devotional reading. Bible study helps you understand the scripture so that when you approach a book, you're able to understand it and, and process it. But devotional reading is that moment where you open up the scriptures like, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? And God begins to speak to your heart. You need both as God timely speaks to you. Now, there's two days that I got nothing out of my Bible reading, but there was other days this week where God was speaking specifically to me, and sometimes he speaks to me about you. Because my responsibility is to be your pastor. And so as he speaks to me about you and about where we're at as a church, it inspires me to pray with how he speaks to me. Like this week, for instance, I was reading about Pharaoh and how his heart was being hardened and how it was interesting in the story of Pharaoh, God would bring a plague, Pharaoh would repent temporarily, and then as soon as the plague lifted, Pharaoh would harden his heart and go back to his sin. And what spoke to me is this. God sometimes allows hardship to come into my life and our lives to allow us to turn to him and say, God, forgive me for that cycle of sin, that thing that I'm doing that you didn't want me to do. Would you help me to be different? And God forgives because he's gracious. But then when the circumstances change, how quickly we run back to that thing again, right? And God was speaking to me specifically about that. God was speaking to me about in the scriptures when the people of Israel, Moses went to the people of Israel who were being oppressed and he taught them and told them all the things God had said on the mountain. Now God was going to take them out of slavery with a, a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and lead them into the promised land. And the scripture says, and the people believed. And God began to speak to me about, about me and about, about you as a church and how in order for us to get free from our slavery and oppression, we need to believe. In order for us to get free from despair, we need to have faith. And I could tell you time after time after time again, when I've opened up the scriptures and God just speaks to me. Because this scripture, the Bible says, it's not just a book. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says that the word of God is what? Alive. It's living. It speaks to you today, where you're at. 
It speaks to your heart. It speaks to your motives. It speaks to your family. It speaks to your perspectives. It speaks to your attitudes, to your opinions. It speaks to all of it because it's alive. And a lot of what it speaks to you about is stuff that we really don't care for. Because the Bible actually convicts and corrects us. Hebrews says it's alive and active and sharp and piercing and how it discerns our thoughts and intentions. Another passage of scripture says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scripture is all about correcting and bringing us to a point of repentance. How many of you like being convicted? How many of y'all like being corrected? One thing my kids really struggle with is being corrected. I don't know if anyone else is out there or not, but when I have to like speak something corrective, they have such a hard time emotionally processing all the emotions that's there. And I think, let's be honest, we're all, like, if we've accepted Jesus, we're God's kids. And how many know God has to correct us? Amen? Is that fair? How many of you like being corrected by God? I don't. But why does he do it? Why does God correct us? Because he loves us. He has better things for us. And so, so much of the scripture is about changing us and bringing us to the point where, God, I'm sorry. Help me to change the way I think about this specific person. This specific issue, this specific problem, this specific sin, this specific whatever God is kind of illuminating in your life. And why do you suppose God's speaking to you about that? God is speaking to you and convicting you and correcting you on that because it's actually not leading to life for you. Do you believe that your Heavenly Father has his best interest in mind for you? Well, he corrects you and convicts you because he wants what's best for you. He loves you. He's your Heavenly Father. And so much of the scripture is used to correct us. It's like the word of God that comes to us when we've missed the mark with our spouse or with our children or in our workplace or with a relationship. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. You see, it's not about mastering the Bible. It's about the Bible mastering you. It's not about you mastering the Bible. That'll never happen. It's about the Bible mastering you. I invite the worship team to come. Now, a message like this comes across really, really heavy. I know some of you have really been hurt by legalism in the church. That's not my heart or intent in this message like this. My heart for you is that you become the person that God wants you to be. And the scripture has the power to change us. The scripture has the power to transform us. And maybe most importantly of all, the scripture reminds us of what God has done for us in Jesus. Now, before you start beating yourself up, and as I'm talking about conviction and correction, and how I'm talking about how we're all sinners, how I'm talking about how our attitudes and perspectives and opinions often are wrong, those are all really, really heavy things. But the good news is, is that God loves us. He does all those things out of his love for you and for me. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
that while we were still his enemies, with all of the wrong perspectives, with all the wrong opinions, with all of the wrong attitudes that were totally in opposition to God, despite all those things, God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you and for me. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Even with all the wrong things that we have about us, despite the fact we're sinners, God loves us. And he's committed to you. He's committed to the change he wants to bring in your life. He's committed to you when you fall short in all the ways that we fall short because we do. But he's, we're not left with despair of like, I'm just this way. I can't help it. I'll always be this way. Why try? No. God has an ability to change your life. And I believe that because he's changed mine. And he's changed a whole lot of people in this room. There's some of you that made the decision to follow Jesus and you think differently than you did before. Your attitudes are different than they were before. Your perspectives on the world and on people and on all kinds of things are different than they were before, amen? Because over time, as you have a relationship with the scripture, God begins to change you. For the good and for God. And so my challenge to you tonight is this. Eat your mashed potatoes. Read this book. Go back to that question I asked at the beginning of the message. What would it look like if everyone in this room made a commitment that from this day forward, I'm going to spend a little bit of time every single day in the scripture? you would never be the same. This church would never be the same. This community would never be the same because this word is alive and it's powerful. Let's stand. We really hope that this message is motivating you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.